Does everything have a bright side to it? Of course. It doesn't always outweigh the negatives, but everything has a bright side to it. This makes happiness a choice. And here we say that the discipline of being happy is the ultimate discipline. With that said, welcome to the Ultimate Discipline Podcast, where we meet with people who are practitioners of this exact discipline, and we hear their cool stories of cultivating happiness through challenges in their life. I am your host, Sean Greenspan. Let's get to it. Jessica. Sean. Thank you so much for making time for doing this. Oh, it's only took like five years. <laughs> I have, it's really taken five months and I've been stoked about this. Aww, um, me too. I really have been. I was like, I kind of pushed your team. I was like, I think they said, they're like, oh yeah, we can do it in June. I was like, what about March? You got any time slots in March? Um, you just came back from your writing sabbatical. I did. Definitely going to dive into that. But um, I have to start out by just asking you, you know, I think all you know about the show is the title, The Happiness mm-hmm. Discipline. Yeah. What does that mean to you? The Happiness Discipline is, it's a how you keep yourself accountable to your own joy and your own light. And I love it. I think it's kind of the only way we can be happy is if we have discipline around it because we live in a, unfortunately, a world that has programmed us to believe that our true nature isn't that. And it is, but we have to create space and cultivate it ourselves. Happiness comes from good night's sleep. Happiness comes from play. Happiness comes from dancing. Happiness comes from nourishing food. Happiness comes from spaciousness in my days. Like Mm. all of those things I just mentioned require structure (laughs) to make possible. (laughs) So I, I think that one of the things we have to be the most disciplined around is our happiness. Cause like, what's the point of all of this if we're not having fun? I, <laughs> you described it probably better than I could. <laughs> I dig that, man. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's get that one, um, recorded. That'll be my new intro to this podcast. So I came, I, I came up with the name and I, I ran by it. I ran it by, you know, a few people that are like, Think I think just like me, and a few people that I think think very opposite of me. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people that were thinking opposite of me said those two words don't belong in the same sentence, and they're entitled to their opinion, right? I've found that I, if I just like, <laughs> if I don't proactively try to be happy, it doesn't happen. I know, like psychology beats us all (laughs) totally and and, you know that's really why like that's kind of what I've tried to dedicate my life to learning like what my happiness discipline is because our disciplines are going to be very different we're going to dive into yours here but um you know for some people it might be like your spiritual hygiene for some people it might be you know swimming in frozen rivers um, (laughs) whatever whatever it takes um but I think you described it well and I love that you talked about play yeah um and we talked about play with your nails in our last yeah. our last shoot in Nashville. Yeah. What does play mean to you? Because you're an author, you're a CEO, you're a podcast host. Like, you don't have nothing to do in a day. I <laughs> true <laughs> that. And I, I, I sense that you find play um, both in the things you're doing, but also like play just for the sake of play. Yeah. Um, can Can you elaborate on why that's so important to you? Absolutely. I mean, I think without play. I wouldn't survive. You know, I, I, I've been through a pretty radical transformation on a spiritual, personal level the last year. I mean, I've always been on this journey and I don't think 
it's ever done and we take leaps and evolve all the time but last year in 22 we're halfway what through 23 22 was probably one of the hardest years of my life I reached burnout I hit depression just everything I've built like I just crashed after sprinting up a mountain for like five and a half years nonstop. Yeah. and my body just gave out and so did my mind because mm-hmm. your brain is an organ just like your muscles and heart you know your yeah. heart is that said play I wasn't having any play in my life for that time I was all work no play and I use play as like a, a survival mechanism to thrive right and so I block out time on my calendar for play like I have stretches of hours during the work week weekends I've I've made lists of all the things that I consider play and I plug them in and they are just as holy as like an executive meeting or a podcast recording yeah and it just increases your vibration. I, I just I just wrote about this in my book. Like we're all still these little inner ch- children that grew yeah. up to become well-meaning adults and we just completely forgot who we truly are, mm-hmm. which is authentic and unapologetic and curious and silly and innocent. And I I do any anything that can bring back any of those qualities, whether that's an ecstatic dance party I literally have colored pencils and a sketchbook from Blix and I draw. <laughs> I I like to sit around and do nothing and be bored and like talk to myself and think thoughts. Like that all to me is a version of play that has been inc- incredibly healing tru- truly. And I, I don't think that I can ever go back to a vibration where there is no play in my life. Yeah. You feel the vibration. I, I, I sense that you, it's like a feeling inside yeah, of you. Yeah. Um, not like a thought, right? Yeah. It's, it's, in the, it's in the gut. Um, the happiness discipline, yeah. again, you're two for two. This, this <laughs> podcast starting out great. You know, I've um, done this before. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're two for two because the happiness discipline is um, what you were talking about. Like to some people, that might sound counterintuitive. Write out things that you like doing. I can't tell you, like, how many times like I've like, you know, you get like a little feeling like, all right, I'm out of integrity with myself. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, like what, what do I like doing? And I realized like, you know, like I spent like an afternoon doing like whatever. And like, I like to hike, yeah go hike, Sean. Like yeah. you like to do what you like to do in life and like schedule it in. Um, I also, again, I actually kind of treat it like a project management system where I like prioritize things. Right. So, for example, like, you know, have, right, if I'm going to work eight hours, sleep eight hours, and I want to go on, like, a hike, maybe there's not a time, there's not time in the day for, like, cooking an elaborate dinner. I love cooking. That, to me, is a lower priority than getting outside and getting exercise. So it's, like, something's got to give. It's going to be that, not what I'm considering the play. Right. You know, and, like, you know, that might sound, like, a little intimidating but to people to, like, schedule it that deeply, but, like, it's more, like, just get the flow and then you can make the decisions like intuitively. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's definitely. not like everything's cubed out. Right? No. I don't think it's the same for you A hundred percent. It's like I've been, you know, I work with a lot of women and mm-hmm. I don't, you know, women listen to your show or whatever, but I, I think women. Actually dudes only. We, we don't <laughs> let, we don't let women. <laughs> well, no, I'm hopefully, well, welcome. Hi dudes. If you're a woman, hopefully <laughs> they come, they come along. But I, I feel like, there's this dance between the divine feminine values and the divine masculine. And then there's, there's the toxic masculine, but there's also the toxic feminine. And 
I could do a whole diatribe around that, but the divine feminine is really, you know, she's in her power, in her stillness and in her surrender and in her receptivity. And then there's the divine masculine, which is about exertion and assertion and going and leadership and forward thinking. And we need both polarities in men and women. Mm -hmm. We're talking about values of feminine and masculine, not gender identities. And for a lot of women I know there's sort of the shadow side to the feminine is we're all in our feelings and we're all in our drama and our emotions and our, you know, creativity and inspiration, but we have no structure. We, we have a hard time executing and implementing when we're always in that place. Mm-hmm. And then the toxic masculine, we all know it's like what a lot of people are hooked into, which is the grind, the hustle, the, where that ambition and leadership becomes way too overbearing. And we become like mm-hmm. addicted to work and we burn out. Basically. There's a lot of other things that come from the, toxic masculine like the patriarchy would I won't I won't get into right now <laughs> but women in at least in my experience with with myself with my friends with the women that I coach and the women I work with we need that we need to be in the flow like it's part of our magic but there has to be structure to kind of hold it in like I'm gonna they made me take away my phone but I'll show you <laughs> this is I just put this picture and I know that your audience can't see this but it's like this look, this is structure. Yeah. But if you look out, we're looking at kind of like almost like a flower of life, like quantum image of alchemy. And yet it's, it's art. It's beautiful. It, it, it's it, structured. And when I look at it, I see that it's in a circle. Exactly. Yeah. It, which is the feminine and the straight lines are the masculine, but the triangle is actually the most divine symbol in the universe. And anytime I think of structure, I think of this image. Mm-hmm. Because it, it allows us to have this sort of contained quantum experience with our yeah. lives if we put discipline around it. Yeah. I I, I really I really enjoy that. And it's funny. Um I think my brother's my brother's a musician. I think he's really dialed into like his feminine energy. Yeah. And it's funny because like when we hang out maybe at his house and it's like, you know, I'm there for a weekend just kind of doing my brother's thing, like things just kind of like roll into each other we don't like accomplish a lot throughout the day like it's hard for us to like you know just like get what we need to do done but it's like i see him like he he doesn't ever look at a clock i don't think he has looked at a clock in like months um but then like you know like we were planning like a little family retreat we actually had which was so fun um and like he he was like trying to like plan it and at some point i was like i'll i'll just take i'll take over like it's <laughs> right. getting too hard right. um but there there the the inverse to both sides you know there's beauty to both sides but the inverse to both sides um just shows the importance of balance because yes. i noticed like this this is where like we start to get addicted to what we do right and like i started doing it and it's like you get a physiological addiction to like the the chemistry that comes with what we do and like I realized like I started getting addicted to the feeling of like feeling important like having meetings having emails to answer like you know like and it's like how lame is that (laughs) I mean it's not lame don't judge yourself right but I because I'm like listening to you say that I feel so seen I think it's like part of the programming that we're all hooked into that having control, having power, having influence, you know, is the aim. And it does get us hooked in a way. It's, it's kind of the story of my career and the dismantling of that has honestly been what I'm 
up against right mm-hmm. I'm in right now, but just the self awareness around that, Sean, is just so beautiful. Like what you just said about how lame is that? Like <laughs> I get that this is something I'm bu- I've bought into and it's not real. Yeah, yeah, I get this. Like you know, everyone has what keeps them up at night, yeah. and for me, it's just like you know, like I don't ever want to be in the trap. You know what I mean? Just like feel like I'm trapped. Like thinking about you know emails more than I'm thinking about like Emma right yeah, like like totally. no nah, it doesn't matter like no status no financial gain like nothing is like worth that human experience that we're all having um you mentioned a couple times like this transition that you went through um I know you're an open book do you mind sharing a little bit about what the experience was like uh maybe when you kind of had the realization and when you when you're coming up against your edge right had that realization like I'm I'm burning out mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and it's leading to when I hear like depression, I think of like immobility. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, you know, it starts to get you to mm-hmm. freeze. Yeah. Um, and then like what that was like to like work through it. Yeah, sure. I'm a total open book on it. So I started simply be in 2017 mm-hmm. and it just took off from the second I started it, like tripled my revenue one year to the next, like went from a one woman show to a 30 person full-time team in less than five years. That's a crazy, that's crazy growth. And I wrote a book in that exact same time period. The book came out in 21. I, the launch itself was like a one year process. I said, was saying yes to everything. I was on a hundred podcasts, 30 TV spots, hundreds of IG lives, speaking engagements, book tour events on airplanes every single week. Like it was, I say like if you know those like huge circuits you see at a concert like in the sound and lighting booth like on all the lights like imagine turning every single light like on the dashboard full blast like all the levers yeah that was my system like the motherboard yeah and it just went goosh in January of 22 and I see a therapist every week or at least I was at the time because I was struggling that year all the things but anyway. I just would get on these sessions with her and I, I just would cry. Like I couldn't, there was nothing I even had to say. I just would sit there and cry. And she was sort of observing me for like a good couple of weeks at the beginning of the year in January. And I, and she was like, I'm in a, I'm diagnosing you with depression, you know, and she's a, a counselor. She doesn't, she's not a, a psychiatrist. Yeah. And so she recommended that I get a referral and, and explore medication And I've never been on a benzo or an SSRI in my whole life, but I was so not okay. Like what that looked like was not only crying to my therapist, but crying all day, not being able to shower, not being, not being motivated to do anything, not being able to leave my house. I had never reached that, that point in my life. And, um, you know, she diagnosed me with situational depression versus clinical depression because it was situational. I was, I was physically burnt out and that depletes your whole system, including your brain, Mm -hmm. right? And your brain is when you're in a state of depression, I learned this, I'll get to my psychiatrist that I met. um, It's inflamed and the neural plasticity between the left brain and the right brain stops connecting and talking to itself. So your uh, depression, as far as I learned it through my doctor is, is as much as a, it's a physical symptom. It's a physical um, experience, which equates to, the suppression of your mental cognitive ability to see your life clearly. And so I got referred 
by the grace of God to a holistic psychiatrist. And I took one meeting with this guy. He's still my doctor. And he looked at me after one hour. I told him my whole life story, bawled my eyes out to him. And he's like, Jessica, you do not need drugs. What you need is to heal your sleep. You need to balance your hormones. And I'm going to recommend that you do a, a ketamine protocol. So instead of going down the rabbit hole of drugs, mm-hmm. which by the way, I want to say to the audience, cause I'm very sensitive and there's a big caveat here around the, my story I want to make prescription medication for mental health saves people's lives. It's just not the route that I took. Mm-hmm. And so if it's something, I just think we all need to be sovereign beings and find the right doctors, but ultimately really trust ourselves. Yeah. And the, um, sleep I wasn't sleep I wasn't sleeping for a year so of course I felt like shit my my hormones were off from all the stress and the cortisol right so I, I started I got on progesterone to help me with my period and to reduce my PMS symptoms and then this um, doctor recommended I do six ketamine IVs in the span of two weeks and I am not exaggerating when I say that when I started session one on a level of one to ten ten being most depressed one being like totally normal I was at a 10 and two weeks later by session six, I measured it. I would write it down. I was at a one. It healed my depression. What ketamine does, and I'm not a doctor, but I've talked to my doctor at length about this is it reduces the inflammation in your brain. Mm -hmm. So your brain can start talking to itself again. And when we're looking at our life through the lens of depression, it's like we have glasses on, but they're all covered in dust and soot and we can't see that we can't see our lives. And what ketamine does is like after six sessions in a compound aggregate effect starts to scratch off the dust. So session one, you feel a little bit better. Session two, you feel a little bit better. Session three, you feel a lot better, but you're not fully there yet. By session six, I was like, I got my brain back. Yeah. It was amazing. And yet, and I'll just, I'll I'll end with this. And I think this is a great kind of segue back to happiness disciplines. Ketamine healed my depression, 100%. But it did not heal my habits. Yeah. So I had to, I had to do that work. Yeah. It was like a jump starter. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course. Appreciate that. Um, some things that, like some reflections that like come up, I would say the biggest one is trusting your intuition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I started working with a life coach in January. Okay. And I... I'm fortunate I wasn't dealing with depression or much anxiety. Um, he was like, what made you want to kind of do this? And I said, really, two things. But actually, one thing. And this is like exactly how I told it to him. I said, my decision-making has slowed down. Um, and that leads to other things, right? Like, I would get like a decision that like, you know, like when I was like, you know, in high school, college, right out of college, like, fuck, I just made decisions right like right or wrong sent it we're doing it um and i was just like waffling over everything and then with that you you know starts to come with you know anxiety around like the different routes like identity like issues like who am i you know what i'm saying like and he said you're not in touch with your gut right Mm -hmm. um and he talked to me about right where this was the first time that I heard it that we have you know so much neurology in our, in, in our stomach. We don't have a prefrontal cortex that's creating language. Sure. Um, so that your gut feeling isn't creating a sentence. Yes, do this with your business, but you just kind of get the vibration, right? The vibe to do it, the yeah. gut feeling to yeah. do it. 
Um, and I think what I found is when I'm dealing with like a decision, whether it's to take, uh, you know, this ketamine treatment or, you know, pills or explore something else, it's like ask myself the question and just kind of like breathe for literally 10 seconds yeah. and just feel what's going on in my body because we were going through, I was going through a big business decision at the time and I was like, dude, I just don't know what to do. He's like, yeah, you do, man. I was like, okay, what, what, what? And he goes, ask yourself it and breathe. And I was like, cool. So I did that. We were live on a call and he goes, okay, now if you're going to do it, how does that feel in your body? And don't answer with words, Sean, express it with your body. And I, I wasn't planning this, right? I just did this in real time. I said, and he goes, does feel like a yes? And I was like, no, <laughs> that feels like a no. <laughs> and he's like, there's your answer, yeah. you know? Um, and I did like, I just felt like tension, like sure. my hands kind of like one to do that. And, yeah. um, you know, so I, I, I actually appreciate what you said about, um, you know, like prescription medicine, right? I, it gets a bad rap. Um, some people look at it as the holy grail. Some people look at it like, you know, horrible. Um, I th- we know, like, everyone's different. Everyone's situation's different, the whatever. Like, you know what resource you have. Like, I just love that advice of med- prescription's not good. Ketamine's not good. It's whatever for you in the time that feels good. Yes, and I... I have a whole chapter about this in my next book. Like we're put under so many spells, especially as women about our bodies. Yeah. But one of the biggest spells I think collectively we have is that someone who wears a a lab coat or has a degree knows more about you than you do. Yeah. And we just give away our sovereignty Mm -hmm. to doctors, medications, my, I went through a really tough journey with my health in my 30s. I had an autoimmune disease for 10 years. And I was surgery and I was on 20 rounds of antibiotics and steroids and just could not get better and was like demobilized by it. And by the way, it was all Western medicine treated at the time and no, no doctor ever talked to me about diet or stress or meditation or anything. Well, finally, I got the memo that I had to take my own health into my own hands because these doctors were failing me. Um, I started to research on Google, like what, what was what? And I came across a healer. I got introduced through a wonderful friend and she really, she came in and she did a lot of things. She helped me with a protocol, but the very, the very first thing she told me and the primary lesson that I took away from her was that I am my own healer. Yeah. Like I am not, she's not there to heal me. I'm here to heal myself. And it's, believe it or not, I say it now we're like, duh. But at the time that was a revelation. Yeah. I think it's still for a lot of people. Yeah. And you know, when you hear something that's like true, but you don't accept it Mm -hmm. to me, that's what that is because by saying, so now like this, this is kind of going down a rabbit hole of like, um, manifestation. Right. But like we're responsible for where we've gotten in our life. Every way. In every way, yes. which is a, it is, it's not even, I, I want to say it's a super empowering thought. It's the most empowering thought. It's like, you're responsible. Now, a lot of people don't like that because like when they're in a bad situation, no one likes to be like, oh, it's my fault, right? Jocko Willick is this um, Navy SEAL who wrote an amazing book called Extreme Ownership. Talked about how it changed his life, like in the, in the material sense, but also in the mental sure. and like, like, you know, how he experiences life taking responsibility for everything and knowing you're going to mess up sometimes like, but like you're in power to change it. Um, even my girlfriend just got her knee surgery, you know, and 
she didn't love like the PT and like the doctor. I'm pretty connected in like the fitness space and literally got the three, I would say top PTs in the country, like on the phone with her. And they gave her pretty similar things, but they didn't, you know, for 15 minutes, they didn't like write out an exact protocol and whatever. And she's like, I just don't know what to do. I'm like, you got to take ownership here. Like, you know what to do. Like, it's your knee. Yes. Take, take the information and yes. go to work. Yes. <laughs> totally. I love that. This is such a huge, huge point you're making. This idea of radical self-responsibility for every, every aspect of your life. Radical. Radical. It'll change your life. It's brutal. In fact, my many years ago, before I started Simply Be, I was working corporate job. So I, before this business, I was an entrepreneur. Before this, I took a boardwalk in corporate America for two years and hated it. My whole life like sucked. And I was pissed at my husband who was in scarcity, wouldn't let me quit. My boss was a narcissistic, greed, misogynistic, egomaniac who like didn't like me. And I was afraid of him. It was his fault. I was traveling all the time to go to Dallas on airplanes. My flights were always delayed. I hated O'Hare. I hated American Airlines. Like I hated the weather. I was a victim to my life and I didn't see it. And I went to this retreat. I spent like $700 to go to like this women's retreat in Wisconsin. I tell the story all the time. And it was three days of them just holding a big mirror up to me of what a victim I was being in my life. And I learned how to, what it meant like, what it felt like somatically to take radical responsibility for my life. Mm. All of the good, all of the bad. It's all up to me. And from that point, I started Simply Be and I've manifested all of this. But I want to say that just this morning, I was texting with my coach about a situation that I'm pissed about with, you know, whatever. And she's like, you're not taking responsibility. You need to, you need to look at the victim consciousness here. So there's no destination, right? Yeah. Like you're, you're, I, I've come very far since that retreat, but we all go through, it's a, it's a symbiotic process of like manifestation consciousness to victim consciousness, yeah. to channel consciousness, right? Yeah. That's why we have to be disciplined about it. Yes. Like you, you nailed it. Um, so I do want to hear about this somatic feeling of, of taking ownership because um, I think it's the best drug there is. Yes. Um, we'll, get, we'll, we'll hop into that. I, cause I really like just want to like hit on that point. Um, you know, so I want, I, want, I want to tell you about the family retreat that I had. Um, for my birthday, my family gets on the phone with me. It was like a weird four-person call. So I'm like, something's going on. And they said, we want, you know, like, we know you put on these retreats. We don't really know what goes on. We were wondering if, if we could, like, you know, put on a family retreat, like where you kind of put it on, but like, we'll, you know, get there and get the Airbnb and food and whatever. And I was like, I'd love it. Right. So I had this this last weekend. Really interesting experience. My parents have been divorced since I was two years old. So for us to be all in like one roof, under one roof is like pretty, you know, powerful that they were willing to do that. Um, and I said, you know, guys, I want to hear about like uh, what you guys want out of this weekend. I think everyone wants something different. And my dad um, opened up, which, you know, for a, a dad figure, especially like in that setting was like hard. And he was like, you know, I just like was skating by as just like a happy, healthy guy for a while. And I got pretty far for pretty long. He's like, but I'm realizing that like you need, to, and he's like, I never thought this would make sense, but you need to be proactive about your happiness. And it's funny because to me, that's like what the happiness discipline is. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. man. And, and he, he goes, I thought this, cause we had an interesting relationship, right? Like, um, 
I would say like I, I became financially responsible for myself fairly young. Um, and I was fairly successful fairly young and like, you know, at a very young age, like bought my mom a house and in the same year wow. I bought my mom, dad and brother a car when they needed it. And like it actually caused a little this with me and my dad, you know, like who's the big dog. Um, and I, and I haven't said that a lot actually, but I felt that a lot. And he started in conversations with me saying, um, you don't get it, Sean. It's just natural for you. And I'm like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, bro, I woke up at 4am every single day for the last 400 days. I think that's natural every day. I don't want to get out of bed. And I don't say that to brag. I say that because like, I want people like, you don't have to wake up at 4am, but like for me, my mornings are like sacred. Once I start opening my phone, it's chaos. They eat like my uh, laptop, you know, it just becomes chaos. And like, you know, like that, like it hit my heart so much because like he, like him and now other people don't see that. And if there's people that they see that maybe they admire or they like aspects of, I think they take that like victim stance of just like, oh, it naturally happens for you. And it's like, you know, even like I told you, I love like cold exposure and I try to stay consistent with that every time before I turn on like the shower or get in an ice bath. Like I'm like, actually, you know, like this isn't that important. Like I'm hesitant, like I'm scared. Like, you know, like we talked about decision-making, like I'm trying to get out of here and into my gut, out of my head and into my gut. And like, that's building a new habit. Every decision I have, I start to think and like, It's like I started writing it on my hand, like breathe before you decide, like, you know, and it, and I write it every day Beautiful. and it's like, you know, I think it's important for people to understand that like it does take that work and like the work can be play and fun. Like, yeah, it can be. <laughs> yeah. You rem- it reminds me of this meme I love on Instagram. I think I've shared it a few times. It's like, she's so lucky, meaning <laughs> she's spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on her own personal growth. She's been heartbroken and, and betrayed. She's been, you know, she's sacrificed, you know, a hundred hour work weeks. She has been, you know, heartbroken by clients. Like she yeah. has been rejected a hundred thousand times. Like it's like, yeah. she's so lucky. Yeah, and yeah. that's what people see. And all of the discipline to rise every day, whether it's at four in the morning or not, and show up in your highest best if you, you know, despite it all. And I just, I think that it's such an important conversation because we live in like a TikTok world, yeah. right? Where like we see snippets of people's lives in 15 seconds and, you know, you do a great job of, of helping people portray their authenticity in those moments, but it's still a highlight reel. And, you know, I, I love the format of podcasts, honestly, so much because yeah. we're able to go deep and talk about these things and get really honest And there's just all of this sort of glorification around success and money and manifestation and what it really looks like and what it takes. And no, no one's, no one's really ever fully telling the full truth of what's really happening behind closed doors. And and we shouldn't like that doesn't belong to anybody but us, you know, and the people who know us the best. And as long as we're showing up in service and and being an example Mm -hmm. versus being a know it all or you know i think we can teach from a place but we have to be students first yeah well yeah. said thank you yeah uh i you, you were you kind of connected dots about you know and, and i was thinking about earlier we're talking about play something i really admire about you is like you know like you seem to make your work feel like play 
Yeah. Right. Even like when we get on calls, right? Like it's like we're like creating and like having fun. Um, I find that like it's really easy for me to do that with like my like the physical challenges I need to every day. Yeah. You know, like um, I ran sprints on a track this morning and I was like, I set some random arbitrary goal and timed myself. And then I got the goal and I felt happy for like, no, just to like, you know, yeah. keep the, keep the mojo going. But, um, I'd could you elaborate on that? Because like, to me, that's like you, you, at, you talked about play being like what keeps you going. And I think you've integrated it better than like, I've seen a lot of people. Oh. And I think that's really a challenge. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I think a couple things. One, I'm just sort of, I'm a Leo, I'm a double Leo. I'm an emotional generator. I'm an optimist. I, I'm high vibe. I believe in the, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. Like these are all like, she is a positive person kind of qualities and traits. And I like just live from the spirit of like, I don't know. I've just, I've been through a lot in my life and I really believe in the power of love and kindness. And I, I believe in like showing up and, and treating people mm-hmm. kindly, whether it's like, a hostess at a restaurant or a bum on the street or your mom, like just finding compassion in every moment. And I believe that that heals us and changes the world. And that's not lofty. It's like really what I believe. And I'm passionate about what I do. Like I believe in what I do so much. It's, it's driven from such a deep purpose. And I mean, honestly, like everything you see, like I'm just touching the yellow mugs Mm -hmm. and the yellow, you know, it's like, this is, this is how I, what I want to reflect is like a yeah. feeling of sunshine and fun and positivity. And it, and it's come from this deep desire to serve and to, yeah, like have a bigger impact and have a bigger footprint so that I can reach more people and grow a message of truth, which I think is, is missing. I think that I have a, a way of translating big spiritual 5d concepts to like the everyday yeah. person and so these things like really light me up. They motivate me, but they, they bring me joy. Like this is, yeah. I'm doing my Dharma. I'm, I'm, does every day feel like a joy ride? No. I mean, I run a business. It's, it's challenging. It has problems I got to solve all the time, but I, I get to choose my day and I get to choose my mindset and, you know, I just have a lot of blessings and I don't ever take that for granted. Yeah. And I like, I like people. I often say you never want to be the smartest person in the room. Like it's, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You've got to get yourself into the next room. And I like collaboration. I don't like, I, I, I went to Costa Rica for three weeks to write a book and that's different. Like heads down, writing a manuscript, you have to be with yourself. But when it comes to projects and creative content and ideas, like I'm better in a room with people. So we all are. Yeah, of course. So that's, you know, why I think you, you experience what you experience working with me. Your team is so great too. Thank you. And I just, yeah, I, but it's a discipline. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't watch the news. I don't like being around negative energy. Like I've got to protect myself from a lot of the bullshit in order to stay happy. I'm glad you like what I've done with the place. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but uh, actually, two jokes. 
here because one is I have the idea of creating a social media page called people who watch the news okay, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, just categorizing those people. I'm not judging, but I think I can make some funny content 100%. around that. It's like my dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God. Um, and anyways, um, I couldn't agree more that like radiating joy and appreciation and you didn't say this, but I'm going to throw gratitude in there because that feels like it. Um, in like all the little moments, like literally like people like my brother told me yesterday, right? He played a, he played um, a real, a big venue and then like went down into the bar and was like hanging out with everyone. And like when he was like walking out the back door, right? He's like, I had an amp in one hand, like a guitar over the shoulder, everything. And I held the door for someone. He's like, this person just walked by, not even eye contact, let alone not even a thank you. And he's like, what, you know, what the fuck? And I was like, Jeffrey, don't let it, you know, get to you. But like how many of us are just like drifting through life without like gratitude and appreciation, like being grateful and joyful, like is it just increases the vibration of yourself. Like it's a very selfish thing actually, but also like other people, right? It's like, it, it's just, we're lifting the whole world up. Um, but now, now we need to talk about like executing, right? So yeah. now we go from like the feminine to like, okay, masking, like how are we going to like execute yeah. on our gratitude? Right? right. I don't think a lot of people are thinking about that in the way. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do here at the happiness discipline is like yeah. get people to like find what they want with their feminine and then like execute it. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's a, it's as little as like, um, three times a day, I pull out my journal. My journal is right in this bag. It's with me all the time. And I write three things I've been grateful for since the last time I wrote in my journal. Wow. Right. And it's like, you know, like most people, you know, don't even notice, like if I'm doing it in a room, it's one second. Right. Um, but it's like, it's like building, um, like a muscle memory, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. like you want to get to the point where like your natural aura yeah. is gratitude. Right. You know, um, and I'm wondering what you do, because I know you have like your spiritual hygiene. I know you have your daily practices that you work hard at. What types of things do you do to keep the vibe up? I mean, I, <laughs> to be honest, it's, it's simple. It's sleep. Simple's good. Sleep and spaciousness. I need, I need, so for the longest time, and I have been flowing this still, but I, my schedule is ridiculous, right? When you like, are, you know, you're on yeah. calls, meetings. And I do not thrive when I'm contained. So in order for me to really feel like I can show up fully in my highest vibe, I need flow time. And when I'm rested, like I sleep is everything to me and I have become very religious about it. I microdose mushrooms every couple days as I'm on a regimen that has also really helped me rewire my brain Mm -hmm. to tap into more gratitude and awe of like, the beauty of the people on the streets, you know, really it's, it's a powerful tool. Um, I surround myself only with the highest vibrational people. Like I really, that's important. Yes. Choose who you hang out with. Yes. You, you have dominion over that. You should take advantage of free will and not put yourself around people who have, I just, I have such an aversion to negativity and not to say that I'm, I have, I'm like a toxically positive person. I'm, I am a very big champion of going through things to, to get out of them. You can't go around, yeah. right? We ha- we can't bypass. But people who just don't look at life with the glass half full, like I have a hard time relating to people like that. Yeah. And, you know, some sometimes I have no choice but to be around people like that. Yeah. 
but I've had a lot of choice where I've, I, I, I could cut those, that, that fat out of my yeah. life. And I, and I did. You always have, you life. always have the choice, but sometimes it like really makes sense to be around them. Yeah. <laughs> we always have the choice, exactly. but I know what you're saying. Right. And, um, and I fall, I fall into that too, right? Like there's times where like, I'm like consciously deciding to yeah. be around. Yeah. 100%. Are you like, put your armor on before you do? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, don't do this as often as I should, but I, my, one of my healers taught me about like just protection bubble and like putting yourself, surrounding yourself in a golden bubble of light or even like a steel bubble of light before you walk out of your house, cloak yourself in a cape of energy that keeps you protected. Those things are all, like, we live in a quantum reality and most people don't, can only see the three dimensional reality, but we can change our environments with the power of our thoughts and tap in and, and, and the power of intention mm-hmm. is so huge. So getting into the habit of practicing, I, I set the intention. It's different than a goal. Like I set the intention today for beautiful divine source to flow through me on these videos where we're going to record. Right. And like, yep. I just felt my heart open when I said that, you know? Yeah. And if I didn't say that, right, like you are, you're going into a, a tough meeting with a bunch of people who rub you wrong. I'm going to set the intention to protect my energy and stay as least reactive as possible today. Yeah. You know, just set the intention and the universe listens. Like we are in co-creation all the time with mm-hmm. the quantum and we, we really have um, more power over our own lives with the power of our thoughts than most people think about. Pun intended. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Intention is one of those things like that, like look, look. I don't always put an intention on everything I do. I, I I wish I did, but and I'm I'm gonna start doing it. Um, but uh, I don't. And um, do a beautiful practice with the gratitude. I mean, that's yeah. increasing your vibration and opening you up for more. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Um, I just I I think how so many people live like without intention like and to me that's like drifting it's like setting off a boat with no direction or no captain right and just like uh, let's see where this goes you know um and i think that's like a little i don't know times times too valuable you know for that um and yeah and there there's there's something to be said there for like going into something with an intention and um i don't know if this is just my experience i'm curious to hear because I actually called one of my friends and I said, hey, I got a podcast coming up um, with this woman, Jessica. And they said, cool. Um, you know, what, what are you guys going to like talk about? Because he, he knew like that I was trying to like get some input. Um, and I was like, honestly, what I like about this is I think we are interested in similar things and like come at it from such different angles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I like. I think like, you know, you're very feminine, like you're always hanging out with the girls, like your book is like for women, like I I would say I'm very like masculine, like, you know, just think of, I hate to typecast myself, think about like I was a jock in high school, you know what I mean? Um, And I love that like we're able to connect on this and where I want to get to is some of the experience I have is like, especially like as I start diving into this, like taking the moment to like say like, okay, I'm going to like set an intention for this just felt like my ego got in the way. It felt like, dude, like you don't need to do that. Like that's corny. Like, you know, whatever. Like, do you kind of get that like feeling too? Sometimes I think, you know, I less about like my ego, but more am I like, do I believe my own bullshit? Yeah. You know, like, is this really real? 
but I think the it is like if there's anything I've learned in my spiritual journey, we are not on our own here as the human species is concerned. Like there is other dimensions available to us here, other beings available to us here. There is, you know, power and telepathy, how we use our, like, it's like, think about it. When you have like a dream about someone random and you run into them on the street the next day. Yeah. Like that's, that's, we're constantly playing in this sort of quantum reality. And when we become aware of it, 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 it changes your life. It becomes super exciting. You feel more magical. And so I, I choose to believe in those things. And I, I don't think that it's bullshit. Like I, most of the time I'm pretty unshockable with what people believe. I like think everything has validity. If you believe it, who's to say it isn't real. And I believe what I believe and who's to say it isn't real. Yeah. You know, so I find people who are at least willing and open-minded enough to have the exploration are the kind of people I like to be around. A hundred percent on the open-mindedness. Like I think for, for someone to be certain of almost anything, just look at history. Like, you know, we thought like Newton's physics were right. And someone named Einstein came around like, you know, I think for, for anyone to just be like, you know, I'm right. Like I have 100% of the context points and those context points are valid and it creates like the whole puzzle. It's just like, come on. Like, you know, like, um, it's, it's like, uh, it's almost seems like we're like being rash, like, you know, jumping to things. Um, open-mindedness is, is critical. Definitely. Um, before we wrap up, I want to ask about Costa Rica. Uh, So many levels, like I'm an aspiring author, right? And I've had that dream where I'm like, I'm just going to like fucking throw my laptop and phone in a lake, go to Montana for like three weeks and just write a book, right? Like, cause yeah. it's in here and just needs to come out. Um, but I also think there's such a beauty in the way that like you set up an environment, like there was no way you were leaving without your work getting done. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, oh, you, you, you integrated play. Costa Rica is not the worst spot to be, but like you set up an environment to succeed. It you know is. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I'd love to just kind of hear about your journey. We actually haven't, you know, connected Talked on that. Even. Yeah. yeah. It was one of the biggest trips of my life. Um, you know, I got a book deal for second, the second book in February. Congrats. Thank you. And I had a June one deadline, which is crazy short because I requested for a a sooner pub date and my publisher was like wonderful and said, no problem. You just need to write this book in three and a half months. And I wrote my first book in about double the time. Yeah. So I had disciplined myself in February, March and April to write on the weekends and set aside writing block times. But I knew in order for me to finish it, I needed to take a sabbatical and leave for however many weeks I could. So three weeks was what I gave myself. I had already written seven out of the 13, 12 chapters. So I knew I had time to finish it because I time myself. I can finish about one chapter in two sittings. So I sit for about five hours at a time. I can't write for much longer than that. And so it's about 10 hours a chapter, but sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more depending on the chapter. And I got, you know, Costa Rica is my spot. I've been there many times, but I chose to go to a different place this time. And I literally didn't know anyone. 
And my other my other hood in Costa Rica, I have a community. I hang out with people. I have friends. We go to dinner. We go to the beach. I selected to go somewhere new because this is such a different book. And I didn't really want to get be in that kind of party energy that Nosara is. And it really brought up a lot for me because I was really alone. Like I had so much solitude. I was mm-hmm. never with anyone for like weeks at a time. <clears throat> I became like very friendly with my hotel staff because they were the only people that like <laughs> I saw every day. Hey, I've, I've lived, you know, like with my lifestyle, I've lived in the middle of nowhere yeah, yeah. where I'm like, you know, I see like someone at the grocery store. I'm like, Hey, hey how are yeah, you? Like a the little, best feeling. Yeah. Like you just want to talk to people. Yeah. Remember me? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I, I will say that it was creatively confronting because this is such a different, my first book is this book about my business, right? Like I run an agency called Simply Be about personal branding. So I wrote a book called Be that infuses our methodology and personal branding into the book. Like it's a go-to guide from the agency and a little bit of my story. This book is my story. This book is my lessons. This book is my wisdom that I've gleaned from my own pain and learnings and, you know, trauma and ups and downs. And so it's just a very different book that feels extremely vulnerable. Three people have read it. I've gotten amazing feedback, but those are three people that know me and like love me and root for me. My editor is with it right now. I haven't heard. I sent it a week ago today. That's normal. I'm not supposed to hear for a few weeks. Um, But I just feel so exposed writing this book. So in the process of writing it in Costa Rica, especially because I was alone and unsettled and like for at least a little the beginning of the trip it took me a minute to ground and then I actually did cambo I did a plant medicine called cambo in the middle of the trip and everything lifted after that and I felt really amazing and I had written finished the first five chapters in the first like week and a half and I, I stopped and I like took some time off from the book and played and got into the ocean and went to the waterfalls and the you know ecstatic dance parties and all the things and then I like went back to it I was like, I'm going to own it. It's fucking amazing. (laughs) Like, it's a really good book. And I thought it was shit. I was so stressed that it, like, sucked and that I didn't know what I was talking about. I was just pulling things out of my ass. And in the way I was, but you know what? My pulling things out of my ass, like, not to be crass, but, like, I've been around. I know what I'm doing. Like, this is, I, and I did a whole podcast on my show about this. I just dropped it this week of just how, we have only come as far as we've come based on like who we are. And we're at this moment where the stakes are higher. So we question ourselves. Yeah. But there's no reason to question yourself because you being you is enough and it's what got you here in the first place. So all you have to do is do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the biggest lesson from Costa Rica. Yeah. And it it sounds like um, you were really you're really brave to kind of like go into like that solitude, you know, yeah. like, I know like you, you know, you probably just think like, yep, that's what's going to be good. And then you get down there and you're kind of like, Oh shit. shit like, totally. yeah. um, Hey, we had some chats in that first week. You're, you you I could tell you were a little more on edge than like uh-huh. the second and third week. Uh-huh. Um, that that's, it's cool. It's cool to hear that. Um, you know, as, as someone who like is an aspiring author, um, it's cool to just kind of hear like about the process, but more about like goal setting towards getting anything done. Yeah. Um, 
And I do like, I, I do want to dive into that last point that you're talking about, about like as the stakes get higher, like your old ways like come back, you know, to haunt you, like if you will. And it's like you deal with like the same things and, and on a bigger stage, right? Like there's more at stake. Um, and again, like I, I don't want to sound silly, but like that's why I'm so passionate like about like it all to me from my vantage point in life right now comes back to this like happiness discipline, you know? Um, and that's why, you know, like kind of like a tangent, but um, I ran a hundred mile ultra marathon, you know, yeah. last year. Um, and every, every single person is, I think, reflecting their own like insecurities, but telling me it's stupid, it's bad for my body, um, it's crazy, like whatever, which I, I'm like, hey, do some research, right? Like it's actually, I don't think it is. Um, but the reason is like, you know, where I was at physically and mentally when it was pouring rain at 4 a.m. and I was on mile 92, I've never been there besides that, but when it, but it's coming, you know, it, that feeling's coming, like something's going to happen and I'll be ready, yeah. you know? And, and that's why, like, I love like to just like, like look up to you for like putting yourself in positions like this, like as like an author, like myself, like you, you know, your company's bigger than mine. Right. So like you were probably scared about what your, what's going to happen at your company. Right. You know what I mean? I, I'm scared, you know, I'm scared about that too. Cause like, I kind of want to do something like that. And it's like, you know, there's always an answer if we're willing yeah. to put the work in, right. Yeah. Like, you know, do a little blitz beforehand, make a plan for while you're out, you know, make a plan for like while you're back, create that space ahead of time, like protect yeah. your energy, everything that we've been talking about. Um, so it's inspiring to me. So I appreciate you sharing that story. Yeah. That's, thank you for asking about it. Of course. Of course. And thank you for coming on the show. I mean, it was just a blast. We did it. We did Five it. Five months Knuckles. in the making. <laughs> we made it happen. And... I think I successfully ignored that you dropped your ring this whole time. <laughs> me too. Me and too. I just, you know, we were just playing that one cool. So no one will know about no that. One will know <laughs> and they won't be able to see that picture on my phone. Well, maybe yeah. they're watching the video, but we roll. That's yeah, how it goes. We, will. we were present. Exactly. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Hey, thank you for watching today's episode. If you got something out of this, it would mean so much if you could just take a second and give us a rating on whatever platform you're watching it on. And it would mean so much to the world if you could just find one person that you think this message resonates with and you can share that with them. Thank you so much for your support. Looking forward to share the next episode with you.